on Spotify, on Apple Podcasts, on YouTube, for lifelong Saints fans, talking everything Southampton. Welcome to the Saints Prime Podcast. Well, hello, welcome back to the Saints Prime Podcast. Hope you enjoyed the last episode. It was a little bit of a special one, all thanks to Harry Tizard, but I hope you guys enjoyed it as well. Uh, it went down quite well. got some good uh, responses from it, so... Yeah, I uh, hope you enjoyed it. Uh, but today we're here to talk about uh, the Palace game, a little head, look ahead to the Fulham game as well. So, yeah. Guys, where do you want to kick off? Have you been well? I mean, I haven't really spoken to you guys bef- like since the Dean Hammond interview. Yeah, so. we've all been very busy with uni work, so apologies for the delay in the podcast, ladies and gentlemen. But yeah, I think we've all caught up. Now, I've got six weeks left and all you boys are finishing, so it's a bit <laughs> yeah, sad, really. I've got one left and then I'm, I'm back home, basically, so I'll be doing whatever I want. Harry, you're all done, aren't you? Oh yes, I was done on the 10th, so yesterday was just a lovely day out with the guys from university from 2 to about 1, so it was it was lovely. It did mean that I wasn't able to catch the entirety of the game, by entirety I mean any of it, but I looked through the highlights about four times and it was, it it was just amazing roll. to watch. <laughs> oh, it was amazing to watch. <laughs> Boys, I just think it's a bit angelic that I scored two goals at my kick about oh, the same time Daniel scored two goals so how, how has he got that reference how has he got that in how has he, he got, got that in is it meant to be I think so <laughs> Mikey oh, you've not piped off how, how have you been son <laughs> yeah just busy very very busy um, with uni and stuff but it's all it's all going to be done in two days so you know that's that's yeah. all you have to worry about mm. Mr Tosson over there eh? yeah it wasn't. It wasn't a great, great performance. So we we uh, lost in the Hampshire Hampshire Invitational Cup, I believe. You might get a thing on the podcast. What you do for Tottenham, actually? I mean, it's quite no, cool. yeah, no, uh, performance analysis for Tottenham. So just yeah. looking through footage and tagging stuff and all that joyous thing. So, yeah. do, do you make the highlights? Because your editing skills, have, I think they're quite good. I like the the score bar at the top. To be honest, I do, I really like that. <laughs> Are you actually looking at Harry? It's just, it's, it just looks really, really nice. This isn't it exactly relatable really for a lot of people, a lot of listeners, is it? I know, I know. I was going to pick up Mikey a little bit, then yeah, Harry's going Harry to the score bar. It's like, yeah, it's, it's it just looks really nice. Do, I do the editing on the YouTube videos on AFC Tottenham's <laughs> YouTube channel. So, yeah, I, I do do that a bit. When I get back home, you need to teach Harry. me how to do that because okay. I need that. Oh. I need that. Yeah, it's all Photoshop, mate. It's all Photoshop. But shall we get back Yeah, come on. Let's get back into you know, let's use our analysis game. to analyse the Palace game. Mikey, what were your thoughts? I know, I know, we're professional. Uh, I think there were spells where we looked like the team back in October or November, where we were just, well, we were playing our best football, the best football we, we possibly could. But there were also spells where you looked at the team and just went, yeah, no, this is the Southampton now too. I think that there were definitely periods of that, and especially in the first three minutes of the game, I think there was a feeling of, oh, this is just going to be another one of those performances. But they turned it around really well. thought the substitution of Salisu for Bednarek was the right decision. Um I don't. Benarek's just been off it since January. I think ever since the nine nil, it's just sort of his his form's just dipped. I don't think he's recovered from that. And it was surprising that he even started. In all fairness, and 
my like my thoughts was that was a surprise that Benarek started, especially how Salisu did against Leicester as well. I thought maybe he could have got into the starting eleven. But what was all your opinions on that starting eleven? What do you think of it? I thought it was a very strong side. I thought it was that would be happy to be rested. But um, I was very happy about it because I was very worried that we were sat in 17th. It's not, it's not where we'd belong. And um, I'm glad Ralph fielded a strong side, didn't want to take any chances of the game and was confident just to put out maybe a little bit of a risk to start Danny. But I was just reading um, what was interview after the game. He said he purposely didn't play Danny in the Liverpool game just so he could play in this game because he knew t- statistically it'd be better for him. I think also having Danny Ings, even if he might have been a slight bit injured, I don't think now because, like you said, he did rest him. He wants to go to that Euros, and if he keeps doing finishes like that, I think he's only one behind Watkins, three behind Bamford. He'll become undroppable from the England squad. But another thing that we've not really touched on because we've not done the podcast in a few weeks is Ryan Bertram was absent again. And I know people are saying it's because of an injury, or that's what the club are saying. Is that what we think it is? Or do you think it is what Ralph sort of alluded to a week or so ago, saying if he's not signing that new deal, we're putting Jack Stevens at left back and letting Bertrand, you know, try and find a new club so we can look, a- look forward to the future because we're not fighting for anything this season, really. Mm. I think uh, Hampshire, Hampshire Live has reported that Bertrand has the team that Bertrand have have turned down the deal that was offered. I think he wanted to be involved in the boardroom or wanted to be involved in the backroom staff. He basically wanted a job after retiring as a footballer. And um, they, I don't think the club wanted to offer him that. I don't think the club wanted to offer him for how many years that he was going to get. I think he probably wanted three or four. I think we only wanted to give him like two at a maximum. Um, and it, it is disappointing, but in all fairness, I really like the way we play without Ryan Bertrand at <laughs> left back. I think having, I didn't like the order of the setup. I don't think Jack Stevens is good enough on the ball to play as a centre central half in that sort of three at the back we switched to in attack. But having Salisu Vestergaard Stevens is a very good back three at just moving the ball, keeping the ball, it seems really good like that, or bringing Bednarek back in. I really like that because then it allows Walker Peters to get as high up as the pitch as he possibly can. And it means that we don't have to cover that because we switch to like a 3-4-3 three, three in possession of the ball. And I just think that's brilliant. I, I really like the way that we play like that. But do we just not need left back then, boys? Is that what we found out? <laughs> no, 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 no. no. We're not going from two far. left backs to zero <laughs> left backs for the new season. But if that is the last game, or if we've seen Birchin for the last time in the Saints yet, even though I've criticised him quite a bit in the past, you know, well, the whole time we've really been doing the podcast, he has been one of our most consistent performers. And, you know, he was there during the Europa League days. So thank you very much for your services, Ryan. If you are listening, I doubt, I doubt that you are. But, you know, not much longer after we released the team sheet, we could see the goal. It was after two minutes. It was a pathetic fallacy for me, to be honest, because I was standing in the rain as Ben Teke smashed one into the back of the net. And I just thought, here we go again. Were you thinking the same? Or because it was only two minutes in, were you thinking, you know, we can get back into this easily? I Two days before this game, I had a, actually quite a big argument with my cousin, who's a Palace fan, but who's a bigger club, Southampton or Palace and he said because Palace are in London they're a bigger club and I was like that's not that doesn't really prove anything so it's two minutes in he sent me a message exact message exact quote was big club who question mark mm. so then I asked when me walking to football at that point I was like, oh goodness me what's gonna happen here 3-1 we'll touch up my phone next time shut yeah. up mate <laughs> 
<laughs> Pipe down. It's like all the Palace fans on Twitter. Goodness me. Them lot will oh. get rattled up too easily. But yeah, on, on a serious note though, I, th- I thought Benteke has been classed this season and I thought his finish just showed that as well. I think I didn't think he's too sure as much Danny could do. I guess well, he wasn't really expecting <laughs> Christian Benteke, of all people, to flick it over him, head it past and mm. smash it underneath Force's legs. He kind of just pushed his way through, didn't he? He just <laughs> didn't really stop as an unmovable force, really, and then just pretty finished, really. Um, just kind of tucked it away straight away. Um, and yeah, it just kind of shocked me, really. I was just, it didn't really come out of anywhere. But they had another chance where Benteke kind of was uh, on the on the run and hit it across goal, and it, it looked kind of quite a dangerous shot as well. So they were really off it from the start. And um, yeah, they, they got an, an early goal, but I think it almost helped the Saints players coming out and just properly going to attack the game and then we actually got the majority of our pressure after the goal and well I know there's not much before the goal if you know what I mean but it kicked us on to keep going and we actually threatened and looked a lot better uh, when we were kind of chasing and trying to get back into the game I thought hmm. well said yeah. I mean, I mean yes they went 1-0 up like we said quite early but not for too long. Not for too long. I checked my phone again. And Danny Ings, you know, what a, what a man. He's back in the team. It's a lovely poachers. For, he just, it's just instinctive at this point. It's just instinctive. One all, what are you thinking? What are your thoughts on the goal? And how much do we need Danny Ings to sign that new contract, honestly? I think I mean it's it's key for you know you know like the trans like a couple of transfer windows ago when we kept hold of Morgan Schneiderlin and they were saying that it's the best the best transfer we did was not selling Morgan Schneiderlin it will be the same this window the best transfer we will do is not selling Danny Ings and getting that contract signed um, he is an incredible striker the way that he he plucks the ball doesn't even look at the goal plucks the ball from the cross and just sort of turns and finishes it into the bottom corner I didn't think I thought it was going to be saved because it just sort of trickled towards the goal it didn't really get hit with anything of power but the finish is just so good that Guaita just could not get down to it at all you know what I noticed the commentator said it was a poor first touch but recovered well and I was like I don't know what else they really want from that first touch because he's coming round on the spin and takes it away from the defender and gives him enough pocket to turn and hit it so I don't know what the uh, the commentator wanted him to do to to be able to you know bring it down better unless he's like I don't know Burkhamsit or whatever. But yeah, I, I thought it was a brilliant piece of skill and uh, a really good finish as well to get it on uh, on on goal. Do we think he's going to sign that new contract? Because there seems like a lot of confidence in the club. Martin Semen says he's confident. Ralph Harsnutter says he's positive. But you just, you just never know. You just never know. I just a quick little round table. We seem to be doing this every single podcast, but then after every single podcast, it seems like there's a new, new development in the story. Mm. So, will he sign a new deal? Will he not? Will he stay? Will he not? You know what you thought? I saw a quote saying Ralph said he's going to, Danny's going to finish his career at Southampton. But I wasn't too sure that. I saw it on Twitter, but uh, you never trust Twitter. I suppose no, it has now. <laughs> But I think just right every every different every podcast we do is different opinions I seem to have because I was very much advocate of selling Danny for forty mil and let him go. But after seeing his performance against Palace, I'm like, mm-hmm. hmm, <laughs> maybe we don't have the players for that to actually let that happen. So I I say break the wage structure, let him sign it. 
we don't, we don't break the rage shutters for Ryan Bertrand. Yeah, that makes sense. He's not really that much of an asset to us. He wasn't past, but not anymore. But Danny currently is the best thing at the club. Give him what he wants. I mean, this season, he's not even played that. I mean, he's not played that. He's played 24, 25 games. He is the difference between us being in that relegation battle with Fulham, with West Brom, which is already completed now, thankfully. So I don't have to worry about that for the last three games. Because... You know, when he's in the team, we just seem so much more complete. And I know it's an obvious statement to say, but yeah, we, we seriously, seriously need him. And I think any team would be lucky to have him. And thankfully, we picked him up a few years ago which, <laughs> on a relative cheap of, of £20 million. But yeah, I, I mean, just two brilliant finishes. We'll get on to another one in a minute. But Palace, Palace did try and get back into the game. They did have the chance through the penalty. I don't know what Ryan Bircher was thinking. Not Ryan, not Ryan Bircher. Nathan Redman was thinking. Uh, was it a penalty? Was it not a penalty? Because for me, it, it it was. It just it was. It's it's clever play from Zaha. Like Red, Redmond steams into challenges sometimes. He's not. He doesn't slow before he he goes in. And Zaha's just moved his body across, and Redmond's got nothing of it. It it is a penalty. It's annoying because sometimes like you hear people saying, "Oh, Zaha's forced the penalty," but I think that has to. You have to praise that. You have to praise the fact that Zaha's forced a penalty in that situation because he's just being clever. Yeah, I mean, I think that's the 17th penalty that he's won in the Premier League. And, well, Milihojevic hadn't missed since 2018, so I thought this was a, a dead certain when he mm. went, to the, went, to, went for the spot kicking. Because we don't, we don't seem to save that many, many penalties. I think the last one was Newcastle at home, I want to say, or was there one before yeah, that? I McCarthy can't quite remember. One, I think. What a... What a penalty. I mean, it wasn't a brilliant penalty, but you've got to be you saving them. you see the them. little... Um, I know I'm talking to the wrong people with Harry and Jamie, but there was a little graphic that came up if you were watching it on Sky, and it had all of his previous shots, and they were all to the right-hand side. I think he scored five and missed one. So I was saying to my flatmate, well, he's, he's got to go left, and he can't go right again. Or it might be one of those ones where he always goes right, and the, the keeper just goes the other way, because they expect him to, to do it differently. But... I thought the the interesting thing it looked like Fraser waited and he waited for Milivojevic to to play it because I think he thought Forster was going to move and he didn't and he stood his ground and there was like a little standoff and it basically meant meant Milivojevic did a a one step penalty basically and it didn't have the the pace to beat Forster so Forster just went down with it and and met it and I thought it was a very brave decision to to keep on his feet for as long as possible and dive at the last second once the uh, the ball actually moved. Do you think uh, yeah, there is a... Oh, sorry, you go, Michael. That, that's, that's all down to like the analysis department and the goalkeeping coaches and mm-hmm. Forster and everyone like that because they would have analysed Milivojevic run up. They would have looked at where he's put his last what, five, six penalties or whatever it was. Like They, they would have had a look at everything. So that is down to them. Um, all, all that work that was put in for that penalty piece to be saved because sometimes you just don't get the penalty. So all the work is wasted, but they still went into it. And it, it was a good save from Forster in the end he pushed it out as well he didn't put it back into danger he pushed it out in space and Che cleared it I think it was quite funny because some of the players tried to high five him Forster yeah. didn't expect it so they just slapped him instead it was it was just <laughs> a little bit strange do you think there is that sort of problem with those penalties though because with Ricky Lambert penalties you have to dive 10 minutes before he's even taken it if you want to get a chance of getting any sort of fingertips on it whereas because of Milohojevic A the the placement wasn't brilliant. It was relatively central to the left and A didn't smash it with power. With players 
with you know penalties like that you can afford to wait i know you know they would have done a lot of work with it but those penalties you can sort of afford to wait and then make the dive rather than make make an early decision the problem with those sort of penalties if you if you take your time towards the spot kit you're sort of forcing the goalkeeper to make a decision early um so if he does get it if he does get it wrong, it's just an easy finish. You like you watch that like Eden Hazard when he took penalties for Chelsea. You just roll it the other side of the goalkeeper because he'd be able to do it with their eyes, doing with the run up. So it's not a bad technique. It's just it means that if the goalkeeper outwits you, he's got a much better chance of saving it. Unless like a Ricky Lambert penalty where you do just smash it. I mean, to be fair, it's been relatively successful if he's not missed yeah. since 2018. So I don't, <laughs> I don't want to make too many comments. But thankfully, I know Forster probably made a few more saves in the game. But that's the last big thing that he really, really had to do. But one thing I do want to talk about the goalkeeper situation is that I think Ralph said that he's going to do the two-game in, two-game out between McCarthy and Forster. So after this, Forster's going to be out for the Fulham game. Do you think that's the right way of going about it? What do you think the thinking behind it is? Do you think it is, you know, who's going to be the goalkeeper for next season? Is it given the equal game time or is it somewhere somewhere in between? It's, I think it's a tough one because I think, I think it's a bit unfair on Alex McCarthy because he's definitely had the tougher games of the lot. But you could also say that Fraser has also stepped up at his game as well. He's made the big saves. So I think it's, a, it's not really a very fair competition he wants to decide on who's going to be his number one next year. However, mm. I would probably gear it to Fraser just because I, obviously I'm, I'm a big fan of him and he's been in the club for a lot longer than McCarthy, so he knows the club a bit better. However, I think Fraser just edges it a bit more. I think once he gets his, his distribution sorted, which is the difference between McCarthy and him, but what he makes him a better keeper, he gets, gets that even better. I think nothing can stop Fraser taking the number one. Yeah, I, I think for me, you don't change your winning team. And we played a very good game. And I think Forster deserves to prove himself on the next one. And if he continues to do well, he keeps going. Um, like Jamie says, I think Forster's got that ability to pull off um, like unexpected saves. For, uh, McCarthy is a very straight down the line. Doesn't pull off blinders, but doesn't make howlers. And Forster can give you those those different saves sometimes, uh, and yeah, like Jamie said as well, it's just the kind of distribution. So if that gets sorted, then it seems like Forster is the 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 prime pick. Well, hey, prime. I think with, uh, I think with McCarthy at, at the start of the year, he was pulling off those saves. He was being that goalkeeper that was like making no mistakes so that that's why it makes it quite a difficult situation for Ralph because you've got Forster who we know is a top class goalkeeper we know that he's played at the highest level he's played in the Champions League and we know he's a brilliant goalkeeper but you've also got McCarthy as well who has proven himself in the Southampton shirt he has proven that he is a very good goalkeeper you look back at some of the saves he made under Hughes with the Bournemouth game Swansea like some of the saves he made there some of the saves he made earlier on in the season and the Newcastle game um, where he made the triple saves and saved the penalty he's proven himself as well so I think it is a very difficult decision of which one do you pick because I think both of them deserve to be a number one and I think that is the issue is uh, we, we know that we might be in the uh, market for a goalkeeper in the summer we might be looking for someone who can distribute better with their feet um, so I think it really 
it, it's I don't know which one I would pick over between McCarthy and Forster, and that's why I quite like the rotation stuff because if you do rotate the goalkeepers, it gives them an even chance. I know it's it's changing a winning team, and it, you you your confidence comes from your goalkeeper throughout the entirety of the team. If you know you've got a solid goalkeeper, it allows you to just not focus as much. It allows you to become like more at ease when defending because you know that if you do make a mistake, you've got a goalkeeper there that can save you but I think both of them can do that job well at this the third annual Saints season of Saints Prime reviews I completely third awards evening of the Saints Prime we can revisit it after the 38 games have been played and we can see you know, you know who we think is better. But looking at that penalty, do you think that changed the game? Because a lot of the time, when there's a missed penalty, that gives the other team a lot of energy. Do you think from that point, even though it was on the stroke of half-time, do you think that did change the game quite a bit? If we go into half-time 2-1 down, then yeah, it, it, re- it really does change the game. It, going back in level, it gives us a chance of like one goal, you're winning the game now, you're leading. So it, it does change the game a lot and it, it can, especially on a team that isn't on high form, if we give away a penalty, give away a goal, that can just drop the mood a lot because it was saved. Like, you know, you, you, you're still drawing at that point and the mistake is just sort of for, forgiven. In all fairness, I thought Redmond had a really good game. Apart from that tackle, I thought Redmond was brilliant. Um like the assist for Danny Ings' goal it was quite a corridor that he had to try and put it into it wasn't an easy cross um, and to try and get it into Ings' feet and I thought he did take on players he did look to he did look to press them back and I, I get the fact that sometimes Redmond is a scapegoat for a lot of Southampton fans um, I don't I don't think they could because I saw a couple of comments on Twitter about Redmond I just don't understand why people just keep getting on his back because he is one of our best attacking players. He is one of our best creators. I think, I think wingers are like goalkeepers is in a phrase that no one ever expected <laughs> anyone to say <laughs> without any context behind it. The fact of if they make a mistake, it's so much more evident. You know, if a winger gets tackled, they lose possession. That starts a counter-attack. If a goalkeeper makes a mistake, it goes straight to an attack. It will go out for a throw. It goes out for a corner. Whereas if a striker misses a shot or a midfielder gives the ball away normally, there's sort of a it's sort of an acceptance that that happens. Whereas if wingers try those ambitious dribbles or those crosses and they lose the ball, it's... Ugh. You know, you, you broke down an attack for us. So I think, I think you're completely right. I think Redsman does get a lot of unfair criticism. I think wingers overall get a lot of unfair criticism. Uh, but you're talking about the um, the corridor of uncertainty, and that's exactly what Armstrong did for the second goal. It was a beautiful little set piece routine. He whips it just through a gap. I don't know how he's been able to do it. Stevens almost got a touch, but it was Adams from a ridiculous angle, even though it was about three yards out. Taps it home. You know what were your thoughts on that? And you know, thankfully he's got a guy. He's got over the Anfield's pressure of missing two or three really good chances, but he's got one here that that put us two one up and in control of the game. I mean, as Ralph said in his interview, like Adams doesn't score the easy chances. Yeah, <laughs> he he doesn't he doesn't score the easy chances. He, I mean, he's finished it with the outside of his right boot. Mm. I I just don't. It it didn't make just use your effort. But yeah, it it, it rolls in, and you know, it's just we've tried that set piece a lot. 
we've tried that set piece where we have gone to the edge to Armstrong and sometimes he's hit it. Of course, we got the penalty against Leicester from a sort of similar situation from a free kick. Um, and yeah, in all fairness, I thought Armstrong mishit the shot. I don't think he's actually meant <laughs> to put the ball across there. But yeah, I'm, I'm sure crazy. Ollie's got a different opinion though. Because <laughs> no, I mean, come on, it was a beautiful little cross on there. That, that does No, I don't think so. I think that's a good pass. For me, that's Stevens good. and Adams made the same run, so I think exactly. it was, for me it was planned because I think if, you, if Stevens doesn't get there, Adams does. And it's in that sort of position where the goalkeeper can't come out because if he comes out and someone else gets a nick. For me, it's just a, it's a brilliant bit of play, but you know maybe that's just me being over ambitious about our players' quality. But I think it was really good. It's clearly a backup as well to it. Like obviously, if you can try and get it up to the defenders like Vestergaard, that's obviously probably the A plan, but the B plan is probably try and play something lower. So if they're specifically marking the big men, then try and get some smaller ones around the corner. And mm. hey, it worked. And there's only so much I can get from a BBC blog. So did the game change from that mm. point? Did Saints gain control? Because a lot of it, I, I felt like I was really missing out because a lot of the comments that were on there were saying, Southampton are playing some beautiful football. They're playing really well. Palace do get into the game. There was a 10-minute spell, but then apparently against the run of play, Ings scored. So what was that What was that period like before Ings just finished off the game completely with a beautiful bit of play beforehand again? It was it was a lot of us controlling the game, and then when it got turned over, Palace really did go for it. I think they went for a four four two as well. I think they brought Batshuayi on before um before Ings scored. So they went they went four four two. They brought Schlapp on to play on the wing. They moved IU uh, up top with Benteke, um, and then they then they uh, brought Batshuayi on, and that's when Ings scored. So they did go for it. They did start forcing bodies forward, and I was a little bit worried because I think a couple of times when our centre halves have been two on two. Um, they have struggled um, but I think with and also Stevens did I th- again I thought Stevens had a really good game apart from the time where he decided to miscontrol the ball and let yeah. Benteke just run past that him that was uh, kind of worrying <laughs> yeah that was a little bit yeah, I, I was, <laughs> I was saying he's not helping my point of saying that Jack Stevens is a good player. Like he's not helping my point by doing that sort of thing. It wasn't um, even a miscontrol. He just let it. He run just missed under the ball. His foot. Yeah. He just completely missed the ball. Mm. Thankfully, Benteke, it was Benteke, not Zaha. So, (laughs) yeah, he he couldn't get away from him. But yeah, it it was was quite, I think it was quite a balanced game throughout the majority of that middle period of the second half. And then when Ings scored it, Palace lost their heads completely. Just started whacking people left, right and centre. Zaha got his booking. Kiate got his booking for the challenges that we did. I couldn't find a clip of it anywhere. Uh, Zaha, so Jack Stevens uh, went, he, he didn't go from behind, he just held him slightly and Zaha went down, wasn't particularly happy with it and then he just started like doing Zaha things and throwing his hands around and reacting and the ref booked him and then he started chacking to Prousey and that's where the new smile of James Ward Prowse yeah, yeah. towards where Zaha has come out so... Yeah, it, 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 I think that's just that's the sort of team that Palace have. They, they. I mean, n- no one in professional football likes losing, but they'll turn their losing into aggression, and they will start losing their heads. I think that is one of the sore points to that Palace side is the fact that they don't keep their heads very well. They do have a lot of hot-headed players. Look at Milivojevic, Zaha, Kiate. They do have a lot of players that do lose their heads. So. I think that is something that we do encourage. And you see Prousey, he doesn't do it a lot 
but for Palace, he just sort of turns into mm. something evil, and it's quite funny to watch. <laughs> yeah. It's a new rivalry, I think. Palace Saints. <laughs> More Jeremy Bryson is where we're yeah. in there now. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, I mean, it's always it's always Oz. I, I always watch Crystal Palace at the end. We will get on to the last Dallying's goal, but I always find it really odd at the end of the seeds with Crystal Palace. So maybe it's the mentality that Roy puts into them, but I'd find that surprising because I think Roy, Roy isn't that sort of guy. But as soon as they're safe from relegation, they just always completely fall off. I mean... From against Leicester, they went one 0 up, and they just lost it quite easily. Against the, in this game, they lost score three home goals, which is something that we're not used to that often. But yeah, I do, I do find it odd. But they do seem like a team in transition because they've got a lot of older players now. They've got Eze, now they've got Nathan Ferguson at the back. They do seem they're trying to transition, which I do like to see. And if they if they get rid of Hodgson at the end of the season, or he decides to leave, and they can get someone in like Howe that's a bit more ambitious, maybe maybe they'll push up the table because they do have the finances for it. But the third goal, the finisher, Warprouse plays into Adams. He plays into Wings. And he, he, it's a finish like he did last time against Crystal Palace at home. It's it rings similar bells. He puts it into the same corner, and yeah, I just but at that point. I felt comfy. How about you guys? Or were you were you on the edge of the speakers with supporting No, it was it was a beautiful finish and it just kind of settled the nerves. Funnily enough, that's the most home wins in a season since last year at Cooman, I read. I don't know where <laughs> I read that. Everyone's but... saying Ralph out. Idiots. A lot of <laughs> yeah. yeah, I know. There lo- there's a lot of people. I don't know why, but I think it was especially with the Liverpool where everyone was just kind of like uh reduced they're like, Oh yeah, we're gonna lose it and uh well, it was definitely you know when you said we were seventeenth, Jamie? A lot of mm-hmm. people were kind of saying, "Oh, Ralph gets the uh, Ralph gets let off because we played pretty football." And you're like, "Oh yeah, but Hodgson's a dinosaur, and yet they're above us." But Hodgson versus Ralph yesterday, who prevailed? It kind of it kind of showed him, wasn't it? There was some beautiful football. We played really well, and we deserved that win. And I think that shows why people do put so much faith in Ralph, and will give him that extra kind of line because. You know, there's a couple of um, anomalies a season where there will be big results, but that's because the players try and they leave everything. And the majority of the other kind of 35 games a season, you know, they are kind of good. Well, not good results, but you know what I mean? They are their true results and they do just give everything. So I think that is why Ralph does just get that extra leeway. Is that the word I'm I, I've about? got to say, yeah, I do find it odd because there's a lot of people that don't like the owner and don't like Ralph and I feel like that ju- they juxtapose each other you can't have the two right at the same time because cause he's, I think he's quite a good manager and you're moaning about him not getting the most out of the players well I think that's more just the fact that the owner doesn't put enough into the players so I feel like if we've got a good owner then we'll have a good manager if we don't have a great owner then we probably need a different manager not a different manager but I feel like the, the two don't go together. I feel I like if we have saying. a good owner, yeah. we'll have a better manager. And like, I think that's the sort of combination. I think he's trying to, people are trying to blame Ralph for not getting the most out of the players that, in, in what overall isn't a brilliant score. Don't get me wrong, they, they normally try, try their hardest, but it's, at the end of the day, it's not a brilliant score full of quality. But we're able to get the win and we're up to 14th, which is, which is fantastic. I know what you're saying, Tiz. It's a bit like, the reason why Dyche has been so successful at Burnley is because he's just got good players in on cheap prices and they he just kind of overturns them because he doesn't get that money in. So he just he just gets the absolute maximum out of them for 
a 15th place finish and they get the Premier League money and again and they do it all over again, don't they? And that's why he's so successful at Burnley. But, you know, Ralph wants... I mean, if Ralph had the squad uh, and we, you know, we had those injuries at the start of the season, you know, who knows what would have happened this season. It could be completely different, couldn't it? But it's, uh, it's almost a victim of success because... Uh, I was reading somewhere that the the youth team have been really stretched because they've been called up so prematurely. Like people like Caleb Watts and Chalk and stuff like that should really not be anywhere near the first team at the moment. Not because of their quality, just because they haven't really been even playing their enough under 18s and under 23s before they start, um, you know, challenging for the first team. And it's just like everything has been stretched forwards just because of how uh, thin our squad is. So uh, I I get I get most of the reaction from like Southampton's Twitter because of course you're not at the stadium you can't talk to people at the stadium so you get mm. a lot of the fan base opinion on Twitter and I think a lot of uh, I think I, I don't want to generalise but I think a lot of the people put stuff on Twitter they don't do like background research on over it so of course we've been we've been relegated from what our under 23 league is from the uh, Premier League 2 we've been relegated from that but that is because most of our under 23 players have had to train with the first team many of them um, many of them have had to be involved in match day squads so they haven't played for the under 23 so we've been playing 16 year olds like 16 and 17 year olds in the under 23 team and like these these kids they're not good enough to play in the under 23s and that's why we've gone down it's not that the system isn't working it's the fact that we don't have the squad depth up high and it's proven that when we've got our first 11 playing they are good enough to play in, in a top half finish in the premier league they are good enough for it it's been proven that we might even challenge for europe it's about getting that depth in and that depth and quality in the club whether it being a 21 year old who can develop or a 32 year old theo walcott however old he is i don't know like it's getting that depth in who can play in the Premier League so it, it's I think overall it's been quite a frustrating season because of the what ifs and everything like that but as long as we bring in these five ten million pound players who can do a job out on the pitch better than what our academy can do at the moment it allows the academy boys to develop slower and just have their time in the under 23s develop well and then get into the first team so it is a slow progress I think I've said that so many times it's just a slow process at the moment because we don't have that owner to kickstart it it is a slow process it will be a long one but as long as we stick to it we will see like results and we will see progression just maybe not as quickly as some Southampton fans want it I think it's because you go you got it so polite. Um, you guys still got to realise we still get to see the best players in the world. The two Champions League final teams play at St Mary's at our at our stadium. I mean, I've, we've been in how long for eight years now? You shouldn't take that for granted that we're literally seeing some of the best players in the world come and visit us, and we're consistently staying in the Premier League. That's hard enough for most teams, but you know we want to kind of push on to Europa. I'm I, I'm almost quite happy at the moment. Let's get things straight. Let's slowly progress, but. You know, I get to see some of the best players in the world play at St Mary's in my city, in my stadium. It's just, you know, you've got to appreciate that, haven't you? Mm. I think it's I think it's because our fans have seen what's happened to West Ham, Leicester, Leeds. But the difference is, like we've been saying, Ralph can't do it when he's not being backed. So people mm. need, like Mikey said, they need patience. We, we're going to do it our own way, whether we get there or not. 
it's we're, we're trying to it's not it's not like we're not trying to do it we're just doing it with what we can at the moment and that like we said that will be a slow process because i think it was it was matt crocker that said it in the meeting that uh the the fans form i think last week it was it was the same week that we we were top of the premier league that our under 23s when they weren't stretched one five two against Manchester City, you know, when we didn't have all of them in in the first team because of injuries. When our under twenty threes were playing as under twenty threes, we win games. It's as simple as that. But I think that that's enough from that bit. We'll go ahead to Fulham, already relegated Fulham. They don't have much to play for, but neither do we. So it's going to be that a game of freedom. So who do you think is going to come out on top again? Again at Saint Mary's, we drew nil nil with them earlier in the season. Is it going to be the same, or do you think there'll be a few more goals this time? I'm quite scared. I think oh, Fulham. Really? I think when Fulham went down the year before when Scott Parker took over the first time, they started playing good football as soon as they went down because they got nothing mm. to play for. They want to show off. Hello, big clubs. Please sign me. I don't want to play in the Championship next year. So then they're actually going to try and try their best against us. And I'm actually a little bit nervous because yeah. I just I'm just worried that we're not going to get the points to catch up with the likes of Palace and Wolves just who are above us at the moment. That's why I don't know. Yeah, could, could, so I'm being a bit of an idiot. They are relegated side and relegated for a reason. However, they have got decent players there, and they sh- mm. they could turn us over. But it's just I don't know. It's just my optimism isn't so strong at the moment. You can see. <laughs> yeah, it's it, it'll, be, it'll be a challenging game because, like you said, I think when teams are relegated, I think West Brom did it under Darren Moore. They beat Manchester United. They beat Tottenham, and then we relegated them. And I think they might have won on the final day, or they might not have done. But I think it also helps that because Fulham got relegated the day before that we played Crystal Palace, I think that helped us as well, sort of thinking, if we lose, oh well, but let's let's try and go for it. So, what, what score predictions? What do people think is going to happen on Saturday? Is it Saturday? Is it Saturday? I'm not too sure. I think so. Yeah, I think Saturday. Saturday, what's going to happen? Tuesday, wait, we've got a Tuesday and then another Sunday, I think. I love uh, it. I, I absolutely reckon... love it. 2-0 I reckon simple as that simple as that I think that. so I think we will have enough to I think it might be a slow first half because I think it'll be one of those ones where both teams go mad at each other but it doesn't it's just very kind of a close game and then I think there might be one before half time and then maybe similar to like a Danny Ings one where it's kind of later and it kills the game at like 75 I, I could see something like that um, I don't know <laughs> that's what I reckon Mikey, Jamie, thoughts, you know, we'll, we'll, the thing is like, I look at Fulham and it's, I think it's slightly different because they, because most of their players are on loan. I don't think they have the same sort of worry about having to play in the championship because a lot of them will go back to their respective clubs. But you know, they'll be, if they're on loan, they're on loan for a reason is because their clubs at the moment aren't, don't want them. So they'll, they'll be fighting for places at different clubs as well. So score predictions for Jamie and Mikey. I mean, they haven't won since beating Liverpool on the seventh of March. They haven't. They haven't actually won. They had had tough fixtures like City, Leeds, Villa, but you know, Wolves haven't been great in the last couple of weeks. Arsenal haven't, and they've also played Burnley and they lost two 0 as well. So I, 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 I can see it being just. It's not going to be a walkover. Fulham are going to definitely go for it because these are going to be the last what two, three games that they've got in the Premier League. So they are going to want to prove themselves. They are going to do well. I can see it being like maybe a one-one or two-one Southampton. I can see it being quite close. I don't think it'll be. I we won't we won't walk them over. And if we do, I'll be very happy. 
<laughs> a nice calm game Jamie I think it's going to be 2-0 as well I'm going to go with Ollie because actually no I'm going to go 2-1 we're going to start. score in the 80th minute due to the fact that they hate keeping on to Leeds uh, as in as in the game leads, not the team leads. I think people knew uh, that. Jamie, <laughs> what do you think? What do you think? Optimistic. I may join 1-2-0. Really? I think maybe 2 all. Oh. Uh, Lookman, Josh Madger, both ballers. Take a high score um, game. Mitrovic. But yeah. the good thing is they're lethal centre mid. Marilyn Mina can't play. So, uh, a match winner at Liverpool. That's, that's the they do. They do have Harry Reid though. So if anyone's going to score against oh. us, put, put Harry oh. Reid on it. An emotional hello. No, have they Harry. got any strikers that haven't scored in about twenty-five matches? Because that Probably could be Josh Marshall. <laughs> <laughs> I think they're down for there for a reason. I don't think anyone yeah. scored many goals at the moment. Sadly for them. But, but yeah. Oh, Right. Well, have we got anything else to cover? Any any more? I'll have a quick. I'll have a quick look. See if anyone oh, else yeah. has decided to get in touch with the Saints Prime once again after the Fulham match. You can get your questions in, or it might be on the Tuesday game. I'm not too sure. We might do a roundup on the Tuesday. Uh, so yeah, make sure at Saints Prime on the Instagram is where you find us to get mm. your questions in. We had James on the score there. You said, "Why does Ralph never use a three-man midfield with a?" Cam, a central attacking midfielder. So he's thinking a four-two-three-one, I believe. What he's oh. thinking? Any reasons? What midfielder is going to play there? <laughs> and he doesn't really like one up top, does he? What, what, what we're doing is sort of working as well. So yeah. I think that, broke. I I like I really like War Prowse and Armstrong in the midfield. I really like that. I think Armstrong it's very collected, I, isn't it? I like Armstrong cutting in on the right-hand side, and I like him floating out wide. I think he just brings so much more in centre midfield. Uh, the way that he can just dribble the ball out and just run at players directly down the centre, it's so exciting to watch. Uh, I think Prousey then becomes more assured in his role. He's no longer a box-to-box. He knows he's going to be that deep-line player. He knows he's going to be the one that sits back. He still gets forward, but he knows what his role is and what Armstrong's role is. I think he's a lot more balanced in that way. And I also do like that back three, as I said before. Again, don't think Stevens should be in the middle of it like he was in the second half, but I like the sort of how we're playing at the moment. I think it works. I think it gives us more balance, and I think... It it also switches it up a little bit. We can attack in a four four two, but it can attack in a three four three, and it allows that balance to be made because we still got the width from Redmond, which I think he's better wide cutting in than staying inside and going wide. And then the Ooh. partnership of Ings and Adams just works. It, it it's brilliant. It's brilliant to watch, and I think that is probably one of our strongest lineups. And I'd like to see Salisu come in for Fulham. I'd yeah. like to see him play instead of Benarek. I think he needs. I think Benarek needs time out the side at the moment. If you if you look at the side though now, I, I mean I know it's only twenty one twenty two, but if Stuart Armstrong was taking that holding midfield position when Romeo's not there, where where is the future for Diallo? I know it's it's stupid to say because he's only twenty one twenty two. He's got plenty of time to develop as a player physically, you know, as a Premier League player as well. But now Stuart's sort of stolen his role. Is it, is it more forward? Because he played a bit more forward against Liverpool or is it just wait for him to develop a bit, be a bit more patient and then we'll see the best of him? I think, I think just wait for him to develop. I mean, he's always got the under-23s when, when we're not as stretched, he can play in there. It's just about learning his role. 
it's just about learning what he's got to do maybe get a little bit more physical get a little bit bigger because sometimes he does get pushed off the ball a little bit but we've seen his technical ability we see how he can play and he is brilliant on that ball he's a brilliant dribbler he's great at it just maybe needs to up his physicality a little bit more and again he is 21 so he's got plenty of time to develop and Stu's what 29 I think isn't he so he's he's in his prime at the moment so play him let Diallo develop and then just sort of when Diallo's ready put him into the side because we can Armstrong's so adaptable we can play left right centre midfield you can you can do all those roles so we can utilise him wherever mm. he's got some good players to learn off as well isn't he like you say that Armstrong's brilliant with on the ball and being completely calm under pressure and you've got Romeo's physicality and intensity when he closes down. He's got two brilliant players to learn off there. And if he can take a little bit of each of those games and put them into his, it, it, it's a really nice kind of, uh, what's the word I'm looking for? Learning off each other, but there's a nicer word for it. Mentoring. They could kind of mentor him, <laughs> couldn't they? That could be it. Yeah, there you go. I don't know. It's a good, good couple of players to learn off. And, and yeah, he's only he's only young. He's got plenty of time. You think of when we signed Benarak, he was the same sort of age, wasn't he? He was 21, 22. I mean, mm. uh, current performances probably don't back that, but you know he's still uh, still uh, been a brilliant servant for us, and uh, still coming up to his his prime as well. Well, hey, Woo-hoo. right, Oliver, would you like to round off the podcast? Thank you. No, I want Jamie to do it. Actually, no, tell you what, can I just say one thing before we go? Uh, now we're heading up to the end of the season. Uh, we need some ideas for from you guys for all the off-season. So if you go on our website, even on the end of every podcast, um, there's a little link. It's our solo page, and you can go to all the different parts that you need to know about us. There is a Google form on the bottom. You can submit your ideas for uh, videos or podcasts. And we're going to be, well, maybe not Jamie, but most of us are going to be back in the same place as well. So, well, you're going to be like six <laughs> weeks till now. No, so we're going to be in the same place as well. Obviously, restrictions are lifting now as well. So we can now get, get in. into studios. We can actually record all in the same place as well. So if you have any ideas or anything like that, we can uh, record. So yeah, any ideas, go and put it in the Google Docs and we can look through it. And of course, we'll give you a shout out if you came up with the idea. And thank you for the idea. So I've got nothing else to report. So I'm going to hand it over to Jamie. Thank you very much, ladies and gentlemen, for listening to the podcast this week. We will have a, a review on the Fulham game, won't we, boys? So you lot to look forward to. And don't forget to re- follow us on Twitter at Saints Prime Podcast, on Instagram at Saints Prime. And... That is all, really. And don't forget to review us on Apple Podcasts as well. That's a good one. We haven't had it in a few weeks. So if you review that, you'll get a shout-out at the start of next episode from yours truly. So it's been goodbye from me, Jamie. We've got, also got here... Oh, me? Ollie. I'm, I'm much going to point at Harry, but I remember... No, you're, 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 you're all in a line for me. Like, <laughs> all right. Well... Yeah, it's okay. Right, yeah. Right, point to get the recording. Uh, oh, the yeah. recording. Oh, Marky says goodbye. Marky says goodbye. Marky says goodbye. Thank you very much for listening.